to the Dynasty Roundtable podcast. Tonight, we have a special guest, a special topic that we don't typically cover, but when you're bringing in an expert, Matt Babich, you have to shift things a little bit, and boy, do we have an expert, don't we, tonight? Absolutely. Today, we have Bradley Stalder of Best Bell Fantasy and right here at playerprofiler.com. He is in a Best Bell savant, and today he is going to walk us through the, to me at least, murky waters of Dynasty Best Ball. So Bradley, first off, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Second pod on the Player Profiler Network just today. So I'm stoked to bring you double trouble from uh, the Best Ball streets. Yeah. And uh, reprising my role from this new podcast, Stack Hunters, that debuted last week, had the second episode last night, and it continues through the rest of the summer 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. So I'm excited, guys. Thanks for the invite. We, we got a Packers fan. Are you a Packers fan? I'm seeing Lazar and the Bakhtiari. I don't know. Can't you, can't you tell? You know, the I Robert Tunyon jersey just, and the, oh, I didn't see the, the tease heads. And I don't the... know if you see this. I don't know if you see this. So on top, on top of here. here, we got a little NFC North battle. Yeah. yeah. Only right. one man. So it's I can't right. believe this. I, didn't, I wish I would have known this ahead of time because I should have planted an Aaron Rodgers question. Oh yeah, maybe a Jordan I mean, Love question, something that would that would you know. Well, we can talk. We can talk. Rogers Love. I'm I'm here for it, Seth. And we get it. Christian Watson might be murking or lurking around the corner. See how Bradley Ooh. feels about Christian Watson. He's a hotly debated player, but I think maybe we first before we you know put the cart before the horse here, right? So best ball. I I personally am an old school guy. I like, I like to set my lineup. It makes me kind of anxious when I I'm in a few best ball leagues and I go to it on Sundays and, and I remember, Oh yeah, I don't have to set a lineup, but is it gonna, is it gonna work right? You know, I've got, I'm kind of one of those sickos, uh, but it's best balls growing and it's a great format and it's still early on. So Bradley uh, walk the good people through like the key differences between best ball and a regular format in dynasty. Sure. And just best ball is choose the, you don't have to set your lineup. That's what Seth already alluded to. So the computer already fills your lineup with the best possible scores for those unfamiliar with how best ball works. So you draft your, your lineup or your roster, but unlike redraft best ball dynasty, you keep your players year to year and many formats you're allowed to have waivers and trades in these dynasty streets. So that's a little bit different from redraft best ball redraft, like on underdog fantasy, our partners here use promo code underworld for a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. First time deposit. There you go. Um, Or our friends over at FFPC, make sure you guys are checking that out as well. The, the code, I believe, is also Underworld, and that gets you $25 yeah. off. So all the promos, all the ads are right there for you to try out some redraft best ball. And there's no trading. There's no waivers. You just are stuck with the injuries. So I would say that there are some key differences. Usually in these dynasty best ball streets, you are allowed waiver pickups. You are allowed to trade with your league mates because it is a closed league. And so we'll talk about the differences like between redraft and dynasty best ball um, in a little bit uh, in more depth. But ultimately, that transactional freedom 
will change your strategy and how you view players and positions as uh, as we continue this discussion. Yeah, definitely. So when when we look at at dynasty, we we have these these age related production curves that we always talk about, and we 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 have heavy focuses on age apexes and primes. And it, when you when you think about dynasty best ball, are those age related production curves similar? Are we typically fading age or fading ages and buying ages like we typically do in dynasty, or does the best ball format change that up a little bit? I think you can hold on to veterans just a little bit longer in your dynasty uh, dynasty leagues because you can pick up off of waivers and because you can make all these transactions. The age cliff does happen, but we also know that it happens for different players and different play styles um, in different ways. So, for instance, like the the Mike Williams of the world, the big bodied wide receivers tend to hit that age cliff a little bit sooner and a little bit harder. Uh, whereas like the DeAndre Hopkins or the Steph Diggs types, they might last a little bit longer. And if those players who have high levels of production, your, your consistent top five, top 10, top 20 wide receiver weekly finishes, um, then those are players that will continue to offer some upside even later on in their careers that maybe you just don't want to move away from, especially because with rookies in best ball, those rookies typically aren't going to be hitting very often in the first half of your season. So you're kind of punting half of a season, but not the full season. Like usually in a redraft or in a, in a regular non best ball dynasty league, you're probably not going to get meaningful production until the end. And then by that time it's too late. So it's, it's tough for you to navigate that a little bit more um, as we're talking about like how, how are you valuing the end of that? Um, like the, the big time wide receivers, like the Tyreek Hills of the world. Like you're not going to want to move off of Tyreek Hill right now in the dynasty best ball because he still offers elite top five production. Like that would be kind of silly to trade him for. I don't know. I was able to get him for like a wide receiver too, and maybe like a, a future first in your regular dynasty leagues, but the game changing uh, weekly upside, that those types of players offer even into their age 29 age 30 seasons you're not going to want to move off of them so that's i think a little bit of a difference between how dynasty best ball and your regular dynasty leagues uh, are should be viewing wide receivers okay um do you think there's any difference between the value of rookie picks and in best ball versus regular Do do you see any difference there or is that about the same yeah, I think that you're you're usually depending upon your rookie quarterbacks. If you're drafting, like let's say you're drafting a CJ Stroud right away, it's probably because you were a top couple picks in your super flex leagues, right? But he's not going to be offering you a lot of upside. Whereas trading for a veteran, trading one of those upper tier picks is going to be giving you week to week upside. You're going to have to be waiting a while for those quarterbacks to develop. And if you want to be competitive in your league, like, unfortunately the super flex dynasty best ball is not going to be hitting as high for those rookie quarterbacks. So if you can pivot off of those right away, um, that would be something to consider if you want to stay competitive or be competitive right away, it may be frustrating for you because the best ball side is kind of tantalizing. Like you're going to want to be and feel competitive, but unfortunately like those upper tier 
rookie picks may not be hitting when you want them to in year one. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you because Matt and I have talked about exactly what you're saying. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and we, we even are are a little worried about their value. I mean, what is really going to have to happen for you to get excited about where their value is going to be at next year? Because like, are they going to have to finish in the top 10 of fantasy points per game in, in Dynasty? You know what I mean? For that value to go up because right now they're they're being drafted. I'm seeing third round and a startup fourth round and at that price it's you know i'm i'm typically going veteran like you, you're saying like a veteran guy that's going to help me win now or if i'm going the rebuilding route like i'm drafting tj hawkinson players it, like is in a, especially in multiple tight end like you're starting multiple tight ends or it's a tight end premium players like that i'm valuing valuing over those rookie quarterbacks for sure um so yeah, I would I, also have to say about rookie tight ends, like that pushes them even further down because like you're, you're hoping that a Dalton Kincaid or you're hoping that a Michael Mayer can be a contributor for you in year one and year two. Like if you're drafting them in the dynasty streets, but unfortunately like we don't see those types of tight ends hit elite ceilings for years, for years. Yeah. And in fact, Year to year, I was just talking yesterday on the Stack Hunters podcast with the Stat Masters, and we brought up Best Ball Points Added, um, which is a weekly stat, uh, Best Ball Points Added per game. And tight ends had a .78 correlation year to year, Best Ball Points Added per game. And that's extremely strong correlation, especially when like we're in the streets. We know what <laughs> how weak correlations are, and for it to be that strong year to year, like a good player stays good and a bad player stays bad. And so it's hard for us to see, you know, those players like the rookie tight ends really hitting right away and being immediate contributors. So if you've got a back end first round pick in your dynasty best ball, trade it away and get some veteran help uh, for players who, yeah, you might feel like they're, oh, they're icky or maybe they're on the downturn. They only have two years left or, or they've got one solid year left of maybe post apex, but not uh, dust sure use them like that's worth it because you're still milking out value and maybe you can get like i don't know another third round pick and and there's some value to be had so consider ways to pivot out of uh like the there's obvious tier gaps this year when we're talking about rookie draft picks like you're you're feeling like you're you're gonna have to wait a year or two for zay flowers you're gonna have to wait you know for your rashi rices or your your Mims, your Marvin Mims, those types of players who are going in the, the back end of the first round or even the second round, you're going to have to wait a while. And it's going to be frustrating for you because they're stuck behind uh, consistent producers. So unfortunately, like the value of rookie picks in best ball, um, you know, unless they're first round pedigree type of players, like I'm drafting a decent amount of Quentin Johnson or, or Jordan Addison, like let the redraft best ball market speak to you about how, how you should value those types of players for the immediate uh, for the immediate 2023 season. Yeah, it's funny how this can change like class to class too, because if we would have talked about this same topic a year ago, it would have been interesting to hear your point of view coming off of a class of Wilson, Olave, London, Dotson, where we had all those first round quality talents. Like you mentioned that, that, 
we didn't really think we were going to have to wait too long for any of them to hit. So uh, I think it more speaks to how strong that class was, but, yes. but great, but great stuff there. So another very popular thing in best ball and, and even redraft and dynasty these days is stacking, getting that, getting that positive correlation in your lineup. So in dynasty best ball, is there any added value in getting an elite stack like like a burrow chase and just kind of establishing your dominance for the next five to seven years is that is that something in dynasty best ball you're willing to just push all the chips in for so i would say that stacking is it's both overrated and underrated in and just hold just hold with me for a second it's overrated in the sense that you are in just a usually a 12 team league right and so many of those 12 team leagues are, did I get my player takes right? Like all you needed was for instance, Justin Fields for two weeks to score 40 points each. And you've got the one player that it took to set yourself apart from the rest of the league. So it didn't require a stack. And so the small leagues don't require that stacking um, for, especially in like season long or like cumulative point best ball leagues where it's not necessarily head to head or it's from week one to week 17 just depends on how the format of the league is set up. Um, But there is, it could be overrated in that sense where you just need to get your player takes right. And you just need the players who are showing elite ceilings over and over again, over the course of years. Um, But if you are in a tournament setting and you know that you are a good team and you're going to be on the, in the playoffs, having an elite stack can separate you because you have then your Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, or maybe this year it could possibly be Justin Fields and DJ Moore, right? And so that stack might be the difference of you getting just one, not player take right, but one game environment right during that playoff week, and that's going to put you over the edge. So it depends on how your league is set up, but if you are in a tournament setting for your, even your league, a really good stack can separate you in the right environment. But if it's season long, if it's cumulative points, it's more on, did I get these player takes right? Did I draft the right players? Did I trade for the right players? Did I pick the right ones up off of waivers? Um, And so I I think that there is a nuance different there, but um, stacking can be important, but it depends on your league settings. Yeah, because some people definitely treat stacking as, oh, my God, I have to go get my stack. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good uh, distinction to make there. Um, Who are some of your if you had to give dynasty players some advice and, you know, you could even speak to I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about it later, too. But you could even talk to some of the drafts you're doing right now because it might be the same conversation. But what are some affordable stacks or some like cheat code stacks that you think people could get in dynasty? Because obviously it would be great to have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, but it's really hard to do. So what are, what are some affordable ones that you think people could go get right now that would really help them out? I think a Jamison Williams, Jared Goff is going to be cheap enough for you. There is a more clarity. I think, I think it would have been even cheaper six months ago before extension talks started happening with Jared Goff. Like, I don't know if that's official that they've started extension extension talks, but the fact that Goff was one of the 
I think he had the sixth or seventh highest um, completion percentage, deep ball completion percentage last year. Jameson Williams fits that profile. Like Jameson Williams is Will Fuller incarnate. Like he's the reincarnation. Will Fuller had to leave the league so that Jameson Williams could also be suspended. Um, But it, it fits that this former first round pick in a dome, elite speed, downfield threat, big playability. Like we're talking best ball here. This is a dynamic player. He was one of only two players in 2021 who had above a 60% catch rate and 20 yards per reception in college. The other one, Marvin Mims. So there you go. There's a little bit of, a little bit of fun if you want. So another cheap one, I mean, that ties in really cheap. Marvin Mims and Russell Wilson, if you're looking for a rookie this year. Um, another one that comes to mind and it's going to be a little more expensive, but Justin Fields and DJ Moore, I mentioned that already. I think DJ Moore has been steamed up a bit, um, but he's fallen in the redraft streets recently. He's gone going now in the four or five turn. Heck, some people, I, Adam Krautworth, friend uh, of the pod, friend of the Stack Hunters and, and also podcast partner here with the deep end. He drafted DJ Moore in the sixth round of one of his drafts uh, just last week. So there are values to be had in Chicago. I understand the concerns with the pass volume and all that, but this is uh, an elite target earner with a player who has improved, um, Justin Fields, who's improved as a passer. So I think that those are a couple uh, best ball stacks that you can consider. I'm trying to, I, I love where you went with Jared Goff at first as the, as the cheap quarterback. Cause when, when I think of affordable stack and what happened when I put down my show sheet notes is you generally lean towards getting like the, the affordable quarterback, these, these value plays. Cause Goff had the spike weeks and he was QB 14 in fantasy points per game and feels slightly disrespected in, in his value right now at QB 17 on, on regular underdog and pretty much QB 17 and dynasty as well. Uh, one that I tend to gravitate towards and have been all off season is Daniel Jones mm. because you get the, the Konami rushing upside as a top 10 quarterback. And I didn't look at his best ball points added per game, but if I, as I pull up the the page, I'm sure it was, it was probably friendly. Oh, it's not featured on the, on the quarterback page. That's disappointing. Anyway, <laughs> Daniel Jones has the rushing floor. He has a new weapon in Darren Waller, who as of old tight end in the middle tier is probably not super expensive in dynasty right now. Then you also have guys like Isaiah Hodgins who proved to be separators and red zone target earners that can have those spike weeks. And so I like pairing Daniel Jones with some of those cheap options. And then uh, I'm also into Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt. Let's go. Jalen Hyatt, uh, you know, Cody Carpentier called him a one trick pony, but Hey, if he's good at that one trick, getting open deep downfield, you know, those that's spike weeks are going to come. Yeah. That's best ball. And, and he Hyatt, Hyatt is free right now. He is free 99. So you could pick him up anywhere. Uh, Seth, what about you? I like, I like the Daniel Jones. Cause you can kind of pick whichever giants receiver you believe in, whether that's Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, like you guys were talking about, um, you know, Isaiah Hodgins is my guy. Like Isaiah, Wandale had a twenty percent target share Wandale. last season. Yeah, Wandale's free. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like all these late options you have, and then to speak to the to the uh, correlation in Week Seventeen of some of these best ball tournaments, that Rams offense too. I mean, the the Rams defense is not looking like it's going to be a good defense. So that could be a a, a shootout that some people 
don't really see coming in week 17. So anyway, I, I do like that. I mean, Bradley basically said a bunch of them I had written down, but Bradley, what do you, what do you think about, uh, you know, like I, I don't mind it so much in, in best ball. I, I don't like it so much in a, in a league where you have to set your lineup, but I was thinking if you like the Packers, because I think the NFC North, I don't think the Lions defense is going to be very good. The Bears defense was one of the worst in the NFL last year, and they didn't add any pass rushers really. But so if you could get Jordan Love and then stack them with whatever receiver you like, if you like Christian Watson, cool. Romeo Dubs, Jaden Reed, I, I think those are fine stacks too. And of course, I have Goff and Fields written down. I think Fields and DJ Moore is. For some reason, uh, DJ Moore, I think, is going under the radar because of the pass volume concerns. But if you hit on that one because of the upside ability of fields that I think he could be the quarterback one in all of fantasy, he has that kind of upside to do that. You know, I think he could be the quarterback one even if DJ Moore doesn't return the like the ADP investment that you want. I mean, Fields was quarterback five last year without DJ Moore and with Darno Mooney playing what like half the season and fields being stifled in the past volume like there there is a very easy pathway for Justin Fields to be the quarterback one overall in 2023 yeah and that's coming from a Packers fan folks so you know he means it that when when he's saying (laughs) that so I I don't know if the Bears we'll we'll see it's going to be a year where the Bears figure out who Justin Fields is for sure because they have they gave him all kinds of help DJ Moore they drafted the offensive lineman in the first round, they I mean, my Davis. boy Robert Tunyon, you know, yeah, Robert, Robert Tunyon. They have they've got Robert, my Tunyon. boy Bob Tunyon. There you go, there you go. Yeah, so I love it. I love it. I especially at, at the price tag where you can easily kind of if you have it typically around the turn, uh, like you can get DJ Moore. I think in like the the if you have like the four or five turn there, yeah. you can get them. Uh, that stack pretty pretty easily I've been able to but I, I suppose this is dynasty though but all those stacks and more uh, I, I like quite a bit and I don't think it's going to cost you a lot also you know if you want to take a chance on a rookie Kirk Cousins and Jordan Addison might be a nice one too well there's going to be all kinds of passing volume in that offense so uh, at least yeah. for this year I don't know what Minnesota's quarterback is going to be for 2024 maybe they extend the Cousins for another year Maybe they move on, but whatever the case may be, I do like Addison's profile, so we can target Addison for sure. Yeah, and that's the whole uh, Justin Jefferson versus Joe Burrow as the wide receiver one in Dynasty. It's like, what are they going to do with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota? And you know that you've got the quarterback in place in in Cincinnati, so that's that's where player profile. I think it's a pretty solid argument is is what you bring up there for sure, because there is some quarterback uncertainty in minnesota past this year but this year it's gonna be we know what we're getting but past that it's really uncertain so it's a good point kyler murray in minnesota Ooh, i like it i think kyler stays in arizona but wouldn't that be sick yeah, kyler they have murray the number if they, jefferson if they have the number one overall pick they, they're gonna have a decision to make because they're either gonna have to believe in kyler or and trade I mean, the pick new gm or, new coach it's very like the pathway is there for kyler murray to move on out of arizona it's hard to deny the most valuable thing in all of football, which is a rookie contract with a elite quarterback talent. That's yeah. uh, there's, there's nothing better than that really. And they, I mean, if they, if they pass that up to believe in Kyler, I mean, you've set your window and I mean, you better hit it. So, I mean, it, 
it typically is these executives. I wouldn't be shocked if they have the, Oh, hubris is the word I'll put the, the hubris that they, they think that they can, they can fix it. Um, well, I'm sure that the Kyler Murray contract is probably similar in like year to year pricing as Kirk cousins is right now. I mean, cousins is getting paid a ton. So is Murray. And it would be a lot like Minnesota to think that, you know, a, a change in quarterback is what they need to, to win a Super Bowl because it's the fact that they can stop. They can't stop a nosebleed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we have some more questions for Bradley, but I do want to get to an informative segment from the pod father. So stick around for more best ball dynasty talk and some of Bradley's uh, tips on some tournaments and underdog as well. But we're going to give you a message from the FFPC informative segment right now. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember... Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Welcome back to the Dynasty Roundtable podcast. First off, go check out the Trade Gods, if you haven't already. Matty Kiwoom and Jason Allwine are trade savants of playerprofiler.com they've been running this show for months helping you answer all your trade questions and if you're asking yourself matt i i want to get my trade questions answered but i simply don't know where to go well i have the answer for you too that's the player profiler discord it's free to join you can find the link to the discord on the player profiler website as well as pretty much any other social media or anything else that we have we promote it often it's a great place to hang out you got me you got seth Bradley, you in there? I joined uh, just recently. There we go. So Bradley's in there now. If you if you didn't want to join for for myself or Seth, join for Bradley. We got everyone in there chatting it up, multiple channels. You can insert your trade questions, and the trade gods will answer for them live on the Roto Underworld YouTube every Thursday at 7 or 7.30. 7, 7, 7, 7 p.m., same you time know, slot. I got to look who, at the YouTube schedule. I have that. Hey, hey there we go. Uh, you know who's going to be on the show this week, don't you? No. <laughs> Why did you tell me, Seth? Oh, it's, no, it's, it's me. It's, it's, the, it's I, I shanghaied my way onto the show. So you can get uh, me also breaking down some trades on, on the trade god. So I'm going to, you know, and, and Bradley, we were grading trades. I don't know. I know you're a teacher. Is that correct? I am in your, in your, in your day job. I'm also a teacher. So when they bring me on, we, we grade the trades. We, we pull the rubric out and we really, I grade best ball teams sometimes. So you'll also use the rubric We're there you go. (laughs) We got it happening. All right. All right. There we go. 
All right. So speak, speaking of rubrics, speaking of grades, every, every player gets a grade. You know, that's how we come up with rankings. So when you pulled out your Rubik, Bradley, I want to know which of the players in, in dynasty best ball right now did not pass the test. And you are currently <laughs> fading in, in, in drafts and leagues right now. Uh, well, one name that comes to mind and he's been a darling and I love his profile. I love a lot of the metrics that he puts out, but I'm concerned about him accessing the upside that you want. And that is Rashad Bateman. We love Rashad Bateman as, as a prospect. He was a first round pick he, over the last couple of years. But my problem is that the Baltimore Ravens telegraphed to us the lack of confidence in him as a player. And there are concerns that he hasn't been able to stay healthy and NFL ready over the last couple of years. The, the Ravens paid a lot of money to Odell Beckham. $18 million is not nothing to a 31-year-old wide receiver coming off an ACL tear. They also invested even more first-round draft capital in wide receiver Zay Flowers. And there's Mark Andrews still there. Are all of those players going to feed in a low-volume pass offense? Rashad Bateman feels like the odd man out, and I know a lot of people were in on him, but now that we're post-free agency and post-NFL draft, the Ravens have been telling us, this is not our guy. He's not going to be the guy for us this year. And I think that he's a guy that's not passing the test for me for right now. He's going to have to prove himself this year and there's a lot for him to overcome uh for him to pay off for you now it's it's difficult he's i don't see a clear pathway for rashad bateman right now i think that hurts matt babich's soul a little bit i'm sorry matt i'm sorry matt it does it does (laughs) tell me how i'm wrong tell me how i'm wrong please i'll I'll tell you (laughs) in the range of outcomes where you might be wrong because i'd be i'd be foolish to admit that that's I'd be foolish to not admit that that's a good argument. And in, in his rage about it's looking scary. I mean, like you said, franchises communicate what they really want to do behind all the coach speak. And as much as it's gotten me excited that Lamar Jackson has kind of proclaimed Rashad Bateman as the wide receiver one, the franchise did say that they weren't sure if that was the case. Now we know they needed to, to bolster the receiving core anyway, and they needed to be able to rock with a one-two of Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers or somebody else. So I'm not, it doesn't completely scare me because they needed to bolster the receiving court anyway. And Odell Beckham, he's one of my fades. So if we if we check that one off my list, two very long breaks without playing football. He's like 31, 32 years old on a low passing offense with multiple knees he's going to be fighting to be the third overall target or second overall target, depending on how things shake out. And so I I think Bateman with an established connection to Jackson and more room to run around the field, fully healthy. That's the big concern. Is he going to be fully healthy? You know, there's reports that he may not be fully ramped up until October. And, you know, for every week that Zay flowers is getting more run than Rashad Bateman because of health and developing that connection, uh, the the worst things get for Rashad Bateman. So I, I still believe, but I'm also very cautious with acquiring new shares of Rashad Bateman. And I'll be honest, I haven't been buying in best ball unless I'm pairing him with Lamar Jackson because in the range of outcomes, 
I'd rather I'm not taking the risk in that tier of players unless he's tethered to that talent and getting that edge in a tournament style. So I, I can't fully disagree with with the fade of Rajad Bateman. It doesn't make me happy. But uh, my my biggest fade, I'm trying to decide between one of these two. It, you can go to the Sonic Truth, uh, or you can go to the Mind of Mansion chat from today if you want to see my thoughts on Quentin Johnston and why he's a bust. But Calvin Ridley is being valued way too high right now. The certainty, the level of certainty that many are exuding that Ridley is going to out-target Christian Kirk this year. I talked about it with Tyler Knabley last night on the on the mock draft live or on Monday on mock draft live. I, I'm just not sure Kirk plays in that fantasy friendly slot position. He has that connection with, with, uh, with Trevor Lawrence, 130 targets last season and Calvin Ridley. It has been three years. It will be three years since Calvin Ridley has played a full season. He played five games in 2022. Granted, he proved that he was an elite target earner during that span, but, I know people want to make the comparison of when AJ Brown went to the Eagles and when Diggs went to the bills, but those were two talented receivers in their prime who have been ramping up their game season after season. And Calvin Ridley's been, been spending it working out and running routes on air. And so you can keep your shorts videos, your videos of him in, in training camp and shorts when it actually comes to him in a game time decision. And Trevor Lawrence says, do I throw it to the boundary and Calvin Ridley or to the post or do I or do I look for Christian Kirk who's going to be wide open somewhere over the middle or at the edges of the field, you know, in that pocket of the zone. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Christian Kirk at his value all day long. I think he's one of the most undervalued and I think Calvin Ridley is one of the most overvalued receivers right now. I think the the tricky thing in best ball for me and uh maybe Bradley can speak to this is all the receivers, all the players that I don't like when it comes to best ball I'm like Eh, at least I won't have to figure out when to play him. You know, <laughs> like I don't like Kadarius Tony, but I like him a little bit better in best ball. Like I don't, I don't really ever want to fig- try to figure out where when to start Kadarius Tony or I mean a, a guy that you, you it might break your heart, Bradley. Christian Watson uh, had an amazing second half of the season, but now he's got a new quarterback. They added a lot, a lot of players to the offense. So that's a guy I'm very skeptical on as well, uh, that I'm not, you know, they're just other players going around the same ADP uh, that, that he's going, I mean, DJ Moore, for example, I would prefer DJ Moore. And then to, to speak to Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley is the other guy on my list, actually, Matt. And I completely agree with what, with a lot of what you said, because he hasn't played football in a year and five game or a year and a half. And he's 28 going on 29 now. And there's other established receivers that have spent time with Trevor Lawrence in the system. Evan Ingram's still there. Zay, Zay Jones is still there. So I, it's that, that's a tough one for me too, with all the trying to avoid a cliche here, all those, uh, you know, all, all that grass to mow or whatever. Like you, you, there's a lot of target. There's a lot of players there. All right. There's a lot of pass catchers. So, and I don't really know what's going on in the chat here. Are you, are you saying Seth, are you, are you saying that there's a lot of, a lot of mouths that need to be fed? Are you saying, are you saying there's too many mouths to feed in Jacksonville? Well, I mean, (laughs) they have 53 players on their team, just like any other, they have the same amount of mouths to feed as any other team. Right. 
I would assume. I would assume. Hey, but I don't. Know. If you're the Arizona Cardinals, you're you're not really feeding anybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, uh, you, you, I feel like you brought me on to just like poke my buttons because I, like, because Calvin Ridley is a my guy for this year. Okay. And Christian oh, Watson oh, is a my guy for this yeah. year. Me too. Okay. And Christian Watson. We, we are together okay. there, but let, right, okay, tell let's us, hear Calvin Ridley first. Tell us why so, we're wrong, Bradley. So it's a, it's a heart and head argument for Calvin Ridley. Um, I'll start with the heart because, um, we are we we do hear the arguments and i've heard them for the last however many months that he hasn't played any f- football for a long time and i get it you know being off for a while the rust questions we saw the rust issues with deshaun watson for instance last year for sure and so i hear that concern and i see it but i also i empathize with calvin ridley because if we remember his his journey it was new head coach they discover a fracture in his foot that the previous regime did not diagnose. He starts playing on it without like he tries gutting it through because Julio Jones is there and he's like, I need to actually get out and play even though my foot is fractured. And then his family gets robbed at gunpoint. Thankfully no one was like there, but they went, people broke into his house with guns and that traumatized him and his family. And that's why I need to take the mental health break. And so like, as someone who like, is putting myself in the moment of like thinking about how I would have reacted in, in trauma, obviously like I would not have performed my best and I would not have thought about the right ways in which, you know, the rules of my profession, like I would not have known this new rule of betting or whatever on the NF or on whatever he did. Like I would not have, that would have not been on the forefront of my mind when I'm trying to like overcome like my family first mentality. And so like I empathize with that and then getting a fresh start in Jacksonville. So I'm thinking that moving from that is, is giving him a new perspective. If you guys want to read more about like the, the, the heart part of it, you can read the player's tribune article that he wrote and it's really moving stuff um, and gives you a better perspective of it. So that allows me to, maybe I'm just more forgiving and can give more mercy on the, the mental side of what he went through as a dad, as someone who, you know, has experienced like doing poorly at my job for a bit because I experienced something that really bothered me. Um, and so, but moving past that, like getting a fresh start, getting a new position, getting a new, getting people who believe in you and traded for you in an organization that has invested some amount. Um, now he's back in off of suspension and nothing but praise out of Jacksonville, but now let's shift to the profile. You mentioned he's a target earner and he's going to be the first dog that eats. You know, he's going to be the downfield threat. He's going to be the, the, he was the touchdown maker. We were really frustrated with Julio Jones during his couple year overlap that it was Calvin Ridley who was scoring the touchdowns and not Julio. Like it was almost a running joke that Julio would never score the touchdowns. So he would not only have a median target share of 25% each of the last two seasons, but it was also that, he was scoring touchdowns and having meaningful fan high end fantasy scores. So the profile, we remember he's a first round pedigree pick. I know he's post apex. I get that argument as well, but he still has a couple years left the of productivity on what we all can agree on is an ascending Jacksonville offense. So I'm in on Calvin Ridley for this year. 
Um, what it looks like in the dynasty streets, I get, I get it. If you want to trade him away, if he's more of a fade for you, if you don't want him on your roster for, for holding, like that's fine. But for this year, he's a, my guy. Um, and I'm willing to forgive what might be a little more unforgivable in the, uh, in the fantasy football streets. That's a, re- that's a really good way to, to, to be completely honest. I never put it in that perspective. It's really easy to get caught up in just not playing and, and getting inserted and doing a new offense. But as you were saying that, and first of all, I would highly recommend going to read that player's tribune piece. It was, I remember reading it at the time. I probably will go back and read it again after this conversation, but it was really incredible stuff and, and gives you a little insight on, on some of the things that, that you think these, these superstars who are, who are bulletproof kind of go through. And it reminds me of a similar play, a similar event with Zay Jones, who, talked about his issues with mental health and getting a fresh start in Jacksonville. And we just saw what that happened and what happened with that. And, and Doug Peterson is a guy who for years has been praised as, as a culture setter. He's, he's a guy who players want to play for. And, and, you know, for those of you who have, you know, any, anyone who works knows when you feel comfortable underneath your boss, the sky is, is, is the limit for your performance when you feel motivated and supported and you feel like you have, you know, like a family where you work. So that's a really good real life perspective on the analysis of it. And so are you a projections guy? Do you? Yeah. So I actually, I wanted to get into that. Yeah. So I have all three of Zay Jones, Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley projected for over 120 targets. So it's not like I'm anti Christian Kirk at all this year. I'm just pro Jaguars offense, like high, high, you know, how what high seas, you know, every, all the boats rise, how, whatever the, the phrase is, we believe in the ascension of the Jaguars offense, I think is the key. Even Evan Ingram, you know, I, I think he's like the, not the lone man out, but low man on the totem pole. I still have him projected for 91 targets. It's the Jacksonville really doesn't pass much to the running back and, and Trevor Lawrence, even though he had that connection with ETN, like that's just not how, Uh, Doug Peterson ran the offense last year, and I don't think they move away from that this year either. So I think a condensed target shares to the wide receivers is how it's going to go for the Jags. Yeah, to to your point about Ridley, and that's fantastic information. I mean, Ridley in the last, I mean, in 2020, we can easily forget he was he was the wide receiver number four in fantasy points per game, and he, like you said, he caught nine touchdowns, had over 2,000 air yards. And, you know, he's 28 going on 29, as I mentioned. So I think that's and, and that art that mentioning that article is really good to like, I didn't even think of I, I'm right there. And with Matt, I was not thinking about it in that perspective. So that was a fantastic uh, perspective to add to that. And uh, we have the Harry Snowman in the chat. Shout out to uh, him uh, as well. And, and Matt's dad is in the chat and Jamie is in the chat the high can... lifts all boats. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate you chiming in and, and making sure we are correct on that saying. Yeah. So the chat's killing it tonight. Really appreciate it. I, I don't know what's going on here. I brought this. One uh, they up were earlier. referring to Hendon hooker. Uh, oh, yeah. Hendon, <laughs> the Hendon hooker. Okay. And Oh, there it is. Okay. Hooker is looking good. Uh, and he's just, and even clarified his statement even said, I'm not just saying that because his name <laughs> is hooker. All right. So fair, fair, fair. So anywho, um, we have we have we we do want to uh, now shift. And this is probably, uh, you know, Bradley's this is Bradley's. uh, What do you what do you want to call it? His 
his sweet spot. This is this is where he really excels, and and this is best ball seasonal best ball formats, tournaments. However you want to spin this, I'm I'm guessing you're you're into a lot of underdog tournaments. So we're gonna play a little this or that, and uh, it, we're, why don't we just start because this the first one is perfect because we oh, I didn't even, we didn't even plan this, but we're, we'll go we'll stick with Calvin Ridley. And would you prefer Calvin Ridley or Amari Cooper? Yeah, give me Calvin Ridley. Give me Calvin Ridley over Amari Cooper, but it's close. I mean, I it's not nothing against Amari Cooper. I just like Calvin a little bit more. Yeah. So so taking all like this new argument into account. So if you're if you're a true Bayesian like I am, that you got to immediately change your entire process. You know, as soon as you 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 find out some of this new information, if Calvin Ridley's getting 120 targets, absolutely over Amari Cooper. Honestly, if Calvin Ridley hits anything really over uh you know 110. I, I was thinking he would probably struggle a little bit more than I thought he would to get to 110, but Amari Cooper is another year older and this Cleveland offense. I, I, are we sure that there's going to be a, some sort of, you know, a pat jump in passing volume? I don't think so. And, and, you know, they were in very similar tiers for me already. So I think if, if I'm, hedging my bets and thinking that Calvin Ridley is going to get a little bit more opportunity than, than I've been kind of going about my drafts with, then I'd lean towards Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I, I think both these players, are, the reason we brought them up is because they're going around similar ADPs. And I, I think both of these offenses, you're going to want some exposure to, especially in the AFC North with Cleveland. Uh, I, I think have a Cle- lot of Cleveland. I have a lot of Cleveland. Cle- Cleveland's a hot offense, man. With Deshaun Watson, I think he could take, I mean, I think you're getting a discounted uh, version of him because of his season last year, but he only, you know, he started in week 11. That was it. He got the back third of the season. And when you, when you haven't played that long, it doesn't matter. I mean, just to shake the rust off, you can make that argument for sure. So I, I lean Amari Cooper, but having heard this new information too, I think I want some exposure to both just because I think both of these offenses are going to be, they're ascending, if not going to be in the elite category this year. So, and they're going to be playing in divisions, especially the AFC North. I think is it could be a shootout division too with Baltimore and and uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. And I mean, so yeah. Um, who's next on the list, Matt? So next we have two running backs going right next to each other. One's got some some looming competition, maybe, and some veterans. So we have Derrick Henry and Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, we'll kick it off to Bradley first. Okay. Sorry. I think this is easily Derrick Henry, um, and it's not particularly close. And this is aside from the possible competition. Last year, Derrick Henry led all running backs in rate of top five weeks. 31.4% of his weeks, he was a top five running back in half PPR. And I know that we love Ramondre Stevenson, but he was barely able to eclipse 60% snap shares in most of his games. I, look, we are, we're now hearing the rumblings that could drop his ADP down to the fourth, down to the fifth round. And that's not what you want to be targeting in best ball tournaments. Like the closing line value could be severely disrupted for a, for Ramondre Stevenson. It will not be disrupted for Derrick Henry aside from a, a preseason injury. Henry is going to be one of those players that Tennessee leans pretty heavily on by signing DeAndre Hopkins. It's clear that they don't feel like they're rebuilding. That may push the Will Levis um, 
unless like Ryan Tannehill completely bombs, but even still they're going to be a conservative offense running through Derrick Henry and Henry shown showed no real signs of slowing down and no reason for Tennessee to move away from him being the centerpiece of the offense. And so with elite consistent upside, you can't move away from Derrick Henry. I think he's a great value at the back end of the second round. I was I was going to ask you about this, Bradley, and I think now's a good opportunity. Some of the ways, the best ways, or my favorite ways to build a team in like the first, second, third round is if you're in the top five, getting one of those elite receivers. And then I think Derrick Henry is the perfect running back to take in that round too. You know, and, and so the way I see it, and I was talking to Aaron Stewart about this just in a meeting the other day, is in another year, in another time, in another galaxy, Derrick Henry would be a first round pick, right? I mean, or or pick your running back that that's going in the second round right now. Saquon, or I know he's got the contract thing, so that might not be a good example. And that might move up Derrick Henry. Like his closing line value yeah. could be even higher. That's the argument too for Henry is that you mentioned Saquon, Josh Jacobs could also be having issues, a player that so yeah, you mentioned it. I'm I'm in agreement here. Derrick Henry could be could be the guy. Keep going, Seth. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Like, I, because I just wanted to get your, because I'm building a lot of my best ball teams that way. I, because I just, because I can't, those receivers there I, that are left over, sure, maybe you get a Chris Olave, but I'm not as enthusiastic about T. Higgins or Devonta Smith as I am enthusiastic about a Derrick Henry or a Saquon. You know what I mean? I feel like the difference there, I almost view it like you're getting a first round wide receiver and a first round running back as opposed to drafting a first round wide receiver and a second a second round wide receiver. That's kind of how I view it. I don't know what do you think about that? Is that kind of what you're trying to do? I'm sure you're trying to do all kinds of different things, but if you had to uh, do a combination like that, is that something that you prefer? I mean, Derrick Henry was going at the 2-3 turn at one point, so you could have started yeah. Jefferson, Henry, and then Pollard was going at the 2-3 turn yeah. too. You could have gone yeah. Jefferson, Pollard, Henry, and then just hammered wide receiver in rounds four through six, and then you're all set. Maybe you grab an elite quarterback somewhere in there. Maybe a Kyle Pitts falls to you, and you're all squared away. Like, or maybe you punt tight end near the end. Like, that's fine. There's a lot of different ways you can build those, but choosing one of the second-round running backs can be a key, whether it's Chubb, whether it's Pollard, whether it's Derrick Henry. I think that those are players we can be considering in round two, uh, especially given that there are some some suspect wide receivers. You mentioned Smith and, and Higgins and Olave, and uh, there, there are some suspect wide receivers yeah. that are getting bumped up because of those you know, running backs you mentioned earlier, the Saquons and the Josh Jacobs of the world who who are holding out right now. Yeah, I man, I it, it's really tough for me to to draft Higgins over a Derrick Henry or a Saquon you know that's just my particular brand of tea though in these in these best ball streets so I it's something that I'm I'm more of a dynasty player than a best ball player still learning more and more about best ball tournaments and Bradley's show for sure stack hunters if you're not watching it but to answer the actual question that we posed it's Derrick Henry for me and for all the reasons that we talked about uh with the looming idea that potentially I think it was minus 400 the other day that Dalvin Cook would sign with New England so 
That's, well, now it's now it's uh, Leonard Fournette and Daryl yeah, Henderson. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but Bill Belichick just loves collecting these running backs. I remember the year where we were excited about Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. I think we're the two guys that we were excited about. And then lo and behold, New England takes both of them and crushes our dreams of those players being dynasty relevant. So Matt Babich, uh, what do you think? Der- Derek Henry or Stevenson? Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I, I'm I'm Derrick Henry. I'm Team Derrick Henry. It Big dog to to what Bradley mentioned, and then what I was talking about on Mock Drive Live with with Tyler. It's so funny how quickly we forget of the Tennessee Titans being the number one seed in the AFC just two yeah. years ago. Yeah, the last wow. time that Ryan Tannehill had an alpha receiver to throw to. It, am I remembering my years correctly? AJ Brown was on that team. Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to yeah, make that sure. Was, I, had that a mini, I had a mini question moment in my head. I was like, am I, yeah. am I thinking of this correctly? But yeah, so yeah, they had no one to throw to last year. They were a disaster of a team. Tannehill gets hurt, and now they, they say, all right, let's, let's fix our mistakes. They got a new front office member. They, they recognized that that was a horrible decision, trading A.J. Brown, and they went out and they got DeAndre Hopkins, to, to, to try and fill that void. And so uh, Derrick Henry, this Titans offense is not going to be as bad as people think the, the Tennessee Titans season win total of, of seven and a half. I'm hitting the over on that uh, in the AFC South. It's, it's pretty easy to draw up eight wins for them over the course of the season. So yeah, I'm Derrick Henry all the way, Seth. I'm going to flip it right back to you, Anthony Richardson or Dak Prescott. Wow. Anthony Richardson could be one of these quarterbacks that just rushes for a thousand yards, just like fields did. I mean, he has that upside. And then of course, Gardner Minshew could start some games too. This is kind of the range of outcomes, but my, if I had to guess, I would say he's starting week one. He was, he was really impressive. Not that it matters much, but when we were asking him, we were in the Jason Alwine and I were in that press conference room at the NFL draft. And he was very impressive in that, in that interview. And I think this is a, you know, the, the college passing stats are a a thing that is going to be very easy to point to and say, yeah, this kid is going to have some developing to do. And that's true, but this is an athlete like we've never seen in the NFL. So I'm willing to press the button on Anthony Richardson, but I do like Dak where he's going too. So this is kind of a cop-out answer, but you're going to want to, I think you're going to want to have some exposure. I'm really interested to hear what Bradley has to say about this to Anthony Richardson because if he blows up I mean that's a that's a tremendous value in what the, the ninth round eighth ninth round maybe even later some, in some drafts I've seen him go later uh so Bradley what do you think uh Anthony Richardson or Dak well the bull case for Anthony Richardson is so juicy it is yeah. so tantalizing yes, it, is. Yeah. it is Cam Newton rookie season where we see you know Cam Newton just absolutely crushing and destroying but let's not get carried away here. I mean, wow. Josh Allen really struggled, really mightily struggled, and only started near the second half of the season his rookie year, and that's his player profiler comp. Anthony Richardson's is Josh Allen. I don't. I think you have a a lot of NFL readiness that needs to happen for Anthony Richardson. His completion percentage is going to be low. His pass volume is going to be low. You're going to be dependent upon a lot of rushing. And that, I mean, Shane Steichen is the new head coach and he was the offensive coordinator last year for Jalen Hurts. So there is a pathway for Anthony Richardson to pay off, but there's a really bare case for Anthony Richardson as well. Like 
feast or famine, but I would very confidently take Dak Prescott over Anthony Richardson over the last three years. There is only one quarterback who has a higher rate of top five weeks than Dak Prescott. Only one Patrick Mahomes. That's it. No one else. Kyler Murray, not there. Jalen hurts. Not there. Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson. No, none of them. Only Patrick Mahomes. And now you add Brandon cooks and Michael Gallup is now healthier. He was rushed out. Let's all like Michael Gallup is due for bounce back year. He was rushed out there from the ACL. They've got better weapons this year. Tony Pollard is going to handle more touches. Zeke was a waste of some of those touches in the backfield. There is a pathway for Dak Prescott to not only be paying off quarterback 12, his ADP right now, but to be a top five quarterback, even top three. I think there is a ceiling play for Dak Prescott to access top three for uh, for best ball. So I'm I'm really bullish on Dallas this year. I think that uh that Dak Prescott has the history of doing it. He's a sure thing and he's undervalued at quarterback 12. I'm not as bullish on on Dak Prescott. I, as a talent, I am very bullish on Dak Prescott. I and I've been vocal about this. I am not bullish on the Cowboys executives and the Cowboys coaches and I know that Pollard is not going to be a guy that you want to give 300 carries to, and they're not going to be a full-blown rush-first offense, even though that's what they've been vocal about. But I don't know if they're going to be this highly efficient offense. I I think they're going to be upper-middle tier in terms of drive length, getting getting to the other opponent's red zone, and I think they're going to be – settling for a lot of field goals. I think they're going to be one of those offenses that just they're, they're like, they're like the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, they can get to the red zone, but the inefficient play calling they're they're taking really long drives They're they're taking off the clock, but they're only getting to the third, the 40 to the 20 yard line before they get stalled. I just don't know if I believe in the play calling. I believe in the talent. Uh, I, I believe in Gallup, but I think it's it's shallow after that in terms of pass catchers. I don't believe in Brandon Cooks at, at 30 years old being a significant asset to the passing game. To me, he kind of just replaces what T.Y. Hilton gave that offense towards the end of the year, and it's more of a testament to, to their depth at receiver. I, I hate that they lost Dalton Schultz. I loved what he gave that offense, especially in the red zone. Um, and so I think he's priced fairly efficiently. I, I could... I could start buying Dak as high up as QB 10, given best ball formats and what you can do with your rosters. Uh, and, and with Anthony Richardson, it's it, the, the ceiling is tantalizing. But like Bradley mentioned, the history of rookie quarterbacks who, who have this profile, Justin Fields is, is an example that a lot of people want to go to because he's game-breaking, it's exciting, it just happened. But when we look at the two prospects as a passer, blind resume test you'd put your finger down on fields as the better passer every single time without you know just looking at a couple of metrics you'd be able to tell so fields was a guy who was closer to lawrence in his college metrics than he was any other quarterback in his class so that's although it's a it's a tantalizing example i think fields is a different type of of quarterback he he had a very adept knowledge of the game he was very pro ready despite, you know, having to be thrust into the Matt Nagy situation. And, and the, the, the more realistic case for Anthony Richardson is that he finishes more towards, you know, QB 15 to 18. 
and he's going to have those spike weeks and they're going to be juicy. But if the Colts don't end up being a good team, you know, how much are they, are they pushing him to, to push the offense and how many scoring opportunities are they going to have? So in these situations, you just got to lean towards which is going to be the higher volume offense. And that's going to be Dallas. Yeah. You, you had to do it, Matt. You, you made it a bear show, which I didn't have to do. And then you brought up Matt Nagy. And then I was like, how could you do this? I thought with the bad man is, is gone now. He's in Kansas City. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, and Justin Fields didn't – I mean, his rookie season was weird with Andy Dahl. I don't know if we're going to get that with Anthony, Anthony Richardson, uh, but th- there's a world where Minshew also starts some games too. Let's, let's – I mean – it could happen. I'm not saying it will or not, but Minshew mania, baby. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie has Dak. a question. Dak or Russ at their current ADP? Well, Dak is, as I said, I, he's going as quarterback 12 right now. And Russ is going. So Dak is pick 106 um, on underdog fantasy. Use promo code on underworld for 100% deposit match. First time deposit match up to $100. Uh, Russ is going at pick 134, quarterback 18. I've been drafting a lot of both of them. And I've just, sometimes I've picked both as my two quarterbacks. Like, especially if I pushed quarterback, I've said, I want Dallas and I want Denver. And I'm okay with that because Denver, the game environments, we love the shootout potentials with Kansas City, with the LA Chargers. Um, and the Vegas Raiders are going to be bad this year. So I think that there's a pathways for some explosive games for Russ and under Sean Payton, but I'm also a fan of Dak and Dallas. So uh, why not both? Why not give me, give me the meme. Why not both? You know? (laughs) Yeah. That, that whole stretch of quarterbacks from Dak to Russell, Russell Wilson, I've been enjoying pairing up with each other and just going for, you know, the, the other, the positional scarcity at wide receiver and bolstering up at running back a little bit earlier and then grabbing two of those quarterbacks that I feel like are a little undervalued at their ADP and have something closer to QB 10 in their range of outcomes. So yeah, I, why not both? Yeah. I don't, don't don't you get the feeling too, that Russell Wilson is just going to have a bounce back year now that Nathaniel Hackett's not around anymore. And you have a you have a grown up Sean Payton been there done that and then they draft another weapon for him and Marvin Mims and so Com- I- competent play calling can do so much. I mean Daniel Jones yeah. looked lost, looked like one of the bigger busts in recent history, recent draft history, and then somebody with actual knowledge of of player and human development and football knowledge comes in and and just completely turns it around. So yeah, I, I think it, it's tough not to expect a bounce back year. Speaking of, of, you know, we're, I don't know. I, that's not really a good transition, but we're going to get one more of these in just to, to shove it in Seth's face real quick before oh, we leave. Uh-oh. So recently added to the show sheet, Bradley is Christian Watson or Drake London. Hopefully uh, you're Watson right now. So this is your time for your manifesto, but if not, I chose the wrong. This, two is, to up. this is, this is Christian Watson and it's, it's not particularly close. Yeah. We liked some of the metrics that London put up, but he put those up while Kyle Pitts was out of the lineup and you know the we liked him as a prospect i like the profile the atlanta falcons offense is not the volume that you want and i'd rather take a the player who from week 10 onward was the wide receiver two overall in yards per route run and he's going 50th uh, in ADP on the FFPC, our partners here use promo code Underworld for twenty five dollars off your first team. <laughs> uh, but really, Christian Watson is an explosive athlete 
early second round draft capital. He is a target earner, a median 22, 23% target share last year. Who else is going to catch passes? I mean, Romeo Dubs is, was one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL last year in terms of PFF uh, receiving grade, in terms of yards per route run. It, he was among the worst. And it's so it's clearly Watson. Jane Reed might be a nice piece near the end of the season, but Watson is a target earner, downfield threat. He can make people miss. He's got the athleticism, the boom spike weeks. He's got the profile that fits. And if you want to argue about Christian Watson, like just compare all of his metrics to anyone else in the, the, the top 10 of fantasy points per game. The reason why he didn't perform well at the beginning of the season was because he was dealing with injuries. And once he was healthy, he showed that he was a dominant force to be reckoned with. And all Jordan love needs to, it needs to be as a 30th percentile starting NFL quarterback. He doesn't need to be even average. Just get the ball to Christian Watson and he will crush. Um, so I am very confident in Christian Watson, another my guy for this year. So I assume that this, that means that you you're pretty confident and maybe not, not as confident in, in love, but you're confident in the green Bay offense to, you know, get manufacture some touchdowns for Christian Watson then. The manufacturer touches for Christian Watson. Uh, He'll turn many of those into touchdowns because that's what elite athletes with elite speed and agility and juke rates and all that can do once they have the ball in their hands. And the Packers, I mean, they drafted two tight ends in the second and third rounds, right? It's going to be small ball until the ball gets into Christian Watson's hands. Gotcha. Um I, I I don't know. I, I I'm skeptical about Jordan Love. I'm I think if uh, and you're you're more plugged into the Packers than I am probably I would assume. But I I'm I'm worried that the offense is going to be a little bit more leaning on AJ Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones too. That's probably what I would do if I had a quarterback like Jordan Love. But the division is juicy. I love the NFC North this year for all the reasons that we talked about, I think some of the defenses, especially the, you know, the bears, the Lions, and the Vikings, the bears, as I mentioned, really didn't do much to add to their pass rush. The Vikings, if you look at what they did, they didn't really do much to add to a defense that was really hurting last year. So I, I'm going to go with Drake London. I, I'm, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, if you watch this show, you know that I'm not the biggest Christian Watson fan and I understand the appeal. I understand the profile. Um, but, for I, I know he was the what the wide receiver eight from week 10 on or something like the, something nine. crazy like that nine okay I was going off the top of my head there but really it was four games he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore I don't I just I know that this isn't the best example to use because I have my doubts about Atlanta's offense too and I have my doubts about Desmond Ritter but if you're making me put quarterbacks in categories I, Jordan Love is getting drafted really high and Desmond Ritter's basically free. And I don't know if I see much difference between those two players. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really love either one of these players where they're being drafted. I think both of them are going around, like Bradley said, pick 50 in FFPC. I think they're going in the fourth round in underdog They're, I mean, I think they're going around the same spot is like a DJ Moore, and so I'm not getting a ton of them. I'm, I'm picking DJ Moore there every time. That's just not my particular brand of tea, so I'll push back a little bit there, Bradley. Matt, I, I know you're going Christian Watson too, so lay it on me. 
baffles me is that not many people are questioning the talent of Christian Watson and the heart of the argument, as Seth mentioned, has to do with not liking Jordan Love. But my argument for for weeks and months now, which is what Bradley coined at the very end, is all Jordan Love needs to be is a 30th percentile, you know, quarterback, and he's going to be fine. And so the two numbers that 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 strike me when I look at his advanced stats and metric page on Player Profiler, target quality rating was 90th among qualified wide receivers, and his catchable target rate was 94th among qualified receivers with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position. So it feels like the bottom of the barrel in terms of the quality of targets that were coming Christian Watson's way. And so if Jordan, all Jordan love has to do is replicate that inaccurate downfield targets. So he's so Rogers Rogers was throwing with a broken thumb. Yeah. I'm not disclosure. I'm not, I I don't want this. Seth is chomping at the bit. I don't want this to turn into, (laughs) I don't want the clickbaiters turning this into uh, Jordan. Love is better than, than Aaron Rodgers. No, Aaron Rodgers. Let's put that on a Twitter post. I I heard what I heard in that statement there that you just made is Mike white is better than Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, that was a direct quote. That was a direct, I want you to know, Bradley, that was a direct quote from Seth. He said 90, he didn't 94? see much of a difference between Joe Flacco and Mike White than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's Oof. 40. He's going to be 40. I don't know, man. I, I That was some pretty rough game. If he had the broken thumb, I didn't know about the broken thumb. But... Oh, yeah. He, uh, he dealt with the broken thumb from, like, week eight onward. And, like, <laughs> I mean, it was clear that – he was not passing the in the right way. The grip was not there. I mean, he threw two interceptions against the Detroit Lions, and I was like, well, that's uncharacteristic. Why is he off? And like, then they talked about, oh, he has some issue with his thumb, and I'm like, oh, it's definitely broken, and he can't grip the ball at all, and that's why he can't get any zip or touch on it. And uh, despite all of the bad throws and the relatively bad performance, Rodgers was still top 12 in almost every single like PFF uh, passing grade and quarterback rating grade. And he was still decent. It was just a step down from what we had seen from the last two seasons of MVP caliber passing. So I look, I think this is a a bounce back year for Rodgers too, as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, it was, it was, it speaks more to the fact, it speaks more to how much the thumb injury was hindering Aaron Rodgers' performance, in my opinion. It's when, when he's running those deep downfield targets and, and Rodgers is having to, to step up in the pocket and avoid pressure, it's going to be difficult with a broken thumb to fire that ball accurately downfield. So, um, yeah, didn't want that to turn into to Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love. More of Jordan Love just doesn't have to be, yeah. <laughs> Seeing the price, I don't care yeah. is the thing. Like, I We're know just, I'm yeah, going to end up the on social, social media. I know I'm going to yeah. end up on social media with Jordan Love is better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And I don't oh, care. It's happened. Oh, it's I, happen. I, I defended Zachary Charbonnet on Twitter simply because I looked at my phone and saw a quote got massaged that made it look like I was super in on Zach Charbonnet. I will go with the flow. I'll defend anything to the death. Yeah. And I also heard that Bradley say that the Jets are probably going to finish first in the AFC East because Rodgers is playing with a broken thumb and they've got a great defense, right? So that's, they've got to, I mean, yeah. What do you think? I look, this is, it's going to be a tough division. (laughs) It's going to be a tough division, but uh, look, I think uh, one of, one of the pivot points is going to be how healthy Brees Hall is 
if because yeah. uh, that That's is a, a that is a game changing player. And we talk about like running backs who hold out like Brees Hall should hold out at the end of this season, at the end of 2023, just like Zeke. And uh, and that's how they're going to have to reset the market. It's not going to be these running backs who are at the end of their their rookie deals like the Saquon Barkley's and Josh Jacobs need to be talking to the Brees Halls of the world and say, like, look, like this is what your future can be. You don't want this. You need to be the one holding out because you saw Zeke get the bag. So, yeah. Wow. It's a great sorry. point. That's a anyway, great point. sorry, we uh, we. <laughs> we no, no, no. Like I, I, I always, in, I always invite this. This is all. This is basically my fault. So it's, <laughs> you can blame it on me. So I, I, just to put a bow on that. I don't between those two, Drake London and Christian Watson. I think I'm probably going to have some of both. I believe it or not, I have been drafting Christian Watson because there <gasps> is a world where <gasps> Seth's wrong. Not a ton. <gasps> not a ton. Not a ton. Okay, must, don't over. Must. Don't over. <laughs> Don't overreact. That's going. We all know capitulation. That's going on, that's going on social media. Capitulation. We, that's going on Live social on the media. Seth has drafted fifty percent Christian Watson and Underdog. It's going on social media. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I when when the the point is here, kids. When somebody like Bradley tells me that he disagrees with me, I respect Bradley's opinion. So I I would be a fool not to take what Bradley says apply it to my own analysis and go huh maybe i'm missing something here there you but go seth this is so important like what we're doing here in this round table discussing players refining our processes bringing up new stats new perspectives is so important to the process and if you don't mind i'll take an aside for just a second billy muzio and i got our content start together a few years ago and our first argument was over Max Williams versus Dan Arnold as the starting <laughs> tight end, who will be the best tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. But from that point and just arguing about players and perspectives, just continue to make us better fantasy players and better rankers like Billy uh, over the course of two years, he and I were going back and forth about rankings and coming out of the fantasy football fanalist podcast, like he was the number one draft ranker out of over 250 rankers on fantasy pros, because like we go back and forth and, and like I've had success. Um, I've had a couple number top 10 weeks on the, on the rankings, but it's all part of this discussion in this process of we make our player takes better and we make our gameplay better. And, all of this is so important. So I'm really grateful to to you, Seth and Matt, for inviting me on tonight. This has been really great uh, digging into each other's takes and and learning more because it's all about just making each other better in the space. Yeah, well, we, appreci- we appreciate you having you on. And, and yeah, that was a great aside. And that that's what this is all about. You know, we're here to to help promote the the amazing talent that's within the player profiler community. And we're here to to refine our own processes and help you know, those in the chat and those watching after the the show, you know, streams to, to refine their processes as well. So as we, as we get to close out, why don't you, you know, tell the, tell the people where they can find you anything, any of your, your recent work that you, that you want to plug as we uh, get out of here and then maybe a bold prediction for the season. If you got one, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at FF Stalder. 
Um, I post a lot on there. My threads account got suspended. So uh, what? whatever. Already? I, already. Wow. They thought I was an imposter, I guess. And oh, uh, I don't know. Whatever. So don't follow me on threads. It doesn't until I get that <laughs> account back up. Whatever. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at FF Stalder. Uh, I posted some uh, Latavius Murray thing you can you can eat your hearts out at earlier uh, earlier tonight. Um, but every Tuesday, 8 to 9 p.m. Stack Hunters during the summer. And then during the season, there's going to be some great content that I'll be bringing on the Player Profiler Network as well. I've got uh, some articles that I've been working on. One of them is going to be coming out, I think, next week, Seth, right on, uh, on yeah. uh, Best Ball Points Added. So there's some really great content from the Best Ball perspective in the best ball streets that i've been putting out i mean earlier today i was recording man versus machine with dario and theo um and so that that's been some content as well that i've been putting out here for player profiler so i've been very um grateful for the opportunity to jump here in the dynasty round table uh as well so matt and seth thanks again for having me on of course man and that article since i am the the editor around here is coming out July 22nd. That's what the schedule says right now. So I'm looking at it. I had to pull that up because we do have Bradley on the show. And if you have not checked out Bradley's work, you can check it out on the Player Profiler website under the news and article section. That's where we have all of our articles. You could go back as far back as you wanted to go. They're all there and it's all free. So you got to go check that out. I plug that every time. The origin of the show, Bradley, is, is actually called the Writer's Roundtable because we wanted to bring writers like, I don't know, this guy right at the bottom of the screen here, Matt Babich, uh, on, on to talk about things. And then we discovered, oh my God, these writers we have are actually really smart people. Maybe we should you know, make them more involved around player profiler. And so a lot of them have picked up other responsibilities and are getting more involved in the space. And it's just furthering this conversation. Like you talked about, about fantasy football, which we all love. And so together our process is getting better and better. And I know my process because of my co-host here, Matt Babich has gotten better and better and better. As Billy Muzio says, iron sharpens iron. So without, <laughs> I think you know, I gave him, I think I gave him that phrase for what it's okay. worth. Okay. Uh, but, but my, I have a bold prediction and then I can't leave a podcast without one endorsement. Uh bold prediction is Justin Herbert MVP 2023. Ooh, I love that bold love that. prediction. Um, and then my endorsement, Dwayne McBride, no matter what baby, Dwayne <laughs> Mc, if <laughs> Dwayne McBride, no matter what, uh, Alexander Madison is just a guy, go get yourself some Dwayne McBride. That's a draft day reference, right? Yes. From that movie. Yeah. I, it's, I love that movie. I don't care what people say. Um, Matt Babich, what you got to plug, man? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Babich underscore Matt 10 for those listening audio only. That's B A B I C H underscore Matt one zero. You can find me on Twitter there. You can find all of my articles on the fan, on the, uh, <laughs> news and articles section that Seth just, just mentioned. Uh, we're right now we're doing a win your league with the player profiler staff series. And that's myself, Seth, Jack Cavanaugh, Theo Greminger, Maddie Kiewum, and Jason Allwine bringing you uh, a variety of topics. We've been doing breakout positions. Uh, the the quarterbacks article was just posted, so you can read why why Seth is is talking about Brock Purdy being the best kept secret that isn't really a secret. 
And you can find out why, why I'm taking Kenny Pickett this year as my breakout quarterback. And so we're going to be continuing all season long with some hard hitting analysis there. And, you know, as this, the season starts coming and, and approaching, we get to training camp and hard knocks and all this stuff. This is when I try to, to start ramping up my, my writing again. So in the near future, you're going to start seeing some more articles from me. So, so be watching out for that. Um, and then I'm going to be, it's going to be in a, in a little bit now, but August first weekend of August, mark your calendars. I will be on the game plan with Maddie Kiwoom. So very excited. Every time I chop it, chop it up with Maddie, that's just an incredible time. So excited to, to venture into that show. Um, and then, you know, as always, you can find me here every Wednesday. Yeah. Shout out to the chat. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, thank you to Bradley one more time. Go follow him wherever he goes. Well, not everywhere he goes, but go follow him on social media. You know, that's a joke I always say that never gets old. And until next time, sorry, Bradley, for this. Nobody cares about Aaron Rodgers. We'll see you later. Oh, hold on. No, it's and- not over yet. I got to hit the thing. <laughs> and-